All right, guys. I just want to welcome everybody to a um, bit, maybe a little bit different episode of a Crow Pod than than everybody's used to. So me, me and uh, Gordon Watson, our good friend uh, down there in New Zealand, got together for a chat, uh, talking about the well the Kamara incident and everything that's happened since. Um, the only reason I'm prefacing all this is because me and Gordon do live. I mean pretty much on opposite sides of the world so there are some delays uh in the audio there are some little lagging points and everything but hopefully uh the uh, I, I think it's all still there so i uh, hope you guys enjoy it and we will see you for a regular crow pod later this week <laughs> to a uh, special edition of the crow pod and joining me uh well well sunday sunday still for me but monday for him is uh <laughs> our, our good friend down in new zealand mr gordon glenn watson hello shane hi hi everyone hi. see you know after after 10 years look at it, we actually uh we actually <laughs> talked to each other instead of just doing yeah. the twitter thing yeah uh, well I, thought... I mean there's only so far that um number wang can take us <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> I wanted to get the first number Wang reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think everybody knows Gordon on Twitter. What at Gordon underscore Watson? Um, if you live down there, of course, you might know him from the television. Where you know, I I always did my work in print. You're 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 one of those fancy fuckers that looks good behind the camera. Oh, I use print as my stepping stone. I have to confess, <laughs> I, that's my preference. I'm uh, I'm not fond of getting in front of the camera, but. Um... You know, I just love football, and and it's it's been kind to me in that regard. Yeah, I, I I was always the you know they call me to do like TV segments, and I was like, have you you've heard how I speak, right? Like I, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope you got the sensor button ready, man. You, you got that eight <laughs> that eight second drop ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a real thing. So uh, me and Gordon. You know, we, we kind of pow out and talked, and we decided we'd get on and talk about um, some of the stuff that's transpired uh, from Thursday on. Um, just from you know our our unique I don't know perspectives as journalists, so mm. you don't have to you don't have to listen to people like Keith Jackson or Graham Spears tell you what to think. Um, mm. <laughs> which why the <laughs> fuck would you? So, I mean, you know, I mean, just a quick rehash, of course, everybody knows, but in the closing moments of, you know, a dead tie uh, Thursday, um, Glenn Kamar, very clearly, I mean, we all saw it on the pitch. I mean, no, nobody covers their mouth the way uh, Andres Kudela did to, to, to say, hey, you're a guy. 
Um, yeah. I, I believe uh, Kamara um, said specifically now in his statement, um, what he told him was, you're a fucking monkey, you know you are. Mm. Um, Kamara, I was, I mean, Kamara went straight to the touchline. Uh, Zungu was trying to tell the fourth official. Uh, Connor Goldson finally figured out what had been said and then immediately went to rip the throat uh, the motherfucker who who did it. Mm. Um, the the match was of course finished. Kamara said, uh, you know, I think via staff and some other people sense that it, it, I'm, the thought of walking off wasn't there. He just wanted to carry on uh, with doing his job. And thankfully, the team, uh, from what I can tell, led by Goldson and McGregor, figured out a way to kind of kettle Slavia <laughs> in the. Uh, <laughs> in the side door of the West enclosure after they locked the door in the tunnel so that they could make their feelings known. Um, Mm. I I, I think is the the nice way of saying it. Slavia have apparently filed 28 police reports with 19 different jurisdictions Mm. uh, since uh, the, the Czech ambassador. They, (laughs) I I don't even know what the fuck that was. It was just like, I mean, if you've read any of their statements since then, and, of yeah. course, we'll get into this further. I mean, th- this is a club that has openly defended blatant racist chanting from their fans before. Um, so I, I don't think their response has come as a shock at all. Has I mean, this is kind of what you expect out of them. Yeah, look, for me, and, and we talked about this on Twitter, the sophistication was paradoxically sophisticated and knuckleheaded. Um, and their approach yeah. to their communications was just to hammer social media, their website with a multitude of disinformation, confusing messages, deliberately so, to muddy the waters and make any investigation that's undertaken really difficult to pick apart. But I think the beautiful thing about, if if you can say such a, a word about what happened, is that the range of support, as far as I can see, see right through all of it. And I, I found the... Um, the club's response to be amazing uh, from oh, top yeah. to bottom. Support yeah. has been amazing as well. It's it's overwhelming, in fact. I, I'm not Glenn Kamara, and I can't speak for Glenn Kamara, but if I were he or in his position, I, I'd feel feel that love. Um, and he needs it, believe me, really, in, in that oh, situation. 100%. Well, it, it, I mean, it, it didn't stop with him. Of course, you know, while the match was still going on, immediately afterward, there was coordinated um we we've talked about this as 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 gordon on twitter um coordinated i mean there are clearly accounts set up either at the behest of the club or some supporters group or you know i'm, I'm we're, i i i think we i a lot of us can clearly tell some of the accounts came directly from the club but immediately set about then you know like kamar ruth getting um all, all the banana uh uh, emojis on his Instagram mm-hmm. posts. Um, when they got done with him, they moved on to Alfredo. Um, so I mean, it, it hasn't stopped. And and of course, then then we had the 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 horribly racist photograph from one of their fan groups, mm-hmm. um, which again, Slavia is. A, I mean, to quote the their their press release here, Slavia Prague files criminal complaint against unknown individuals involved in the preparation and publishing of this picture. So who the, what fucking criminal complaint do you get to like file? I mean, it's, it's just, 
it's utter fucking bullshit. And like you said, I mean, it, it's it's all like, just throw everything out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- this is that perfect, you know, the the Russian disinformation kind of stuff that we've seen since you know the the the, the mid 2010s of just throw every fucking thing that you can out there and try to confuse the hell out of people. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, you're living in a in a country that's just come through a five year period and is perhaps still in a well, maybe you're in a low point with for it now that. <laughs> Trump's gone, but you saw close up what that can look like, where on one hand you're getting these messages saying one thing and then on the other it's a contrary message. And this now is a is a real tactic. And I think Slavia have doubled down on that position from what we can tell. And even, you know, like I saw James Forrest um, making a remark about a Czech football account you know, in, in, in positive optimism that there was some feeling in Czech football that this was wrong. But if you look at some of those accounts, you know, they're less than 100 followers or they're less than 20, or in some cases they have one or two. And that's yeah. the insidious nature of not only racism itself, but, you know, the communications tactics that currently exist. And I suppose we'll get yeah. on to some of that when we talk about Michael Stewart and <laughs> what he oh. and what he's coming out with now. But um, what, it makes it a very a confusing man. space for everyone, for all of us, you know, not if, not just if you're black, but also for all people who have, you know, good values at heart, you know, who care about their fellow yeah. person. And you try to work it out emotionally and cognitively, but it's difficult. It Sometimes, it well, not sometimes, but all the time, it's tiring. Racism is tiring. It's boring. And, you know, it, it drags you down, which is maybe why... You know, in our game with um, Parkhead last night, you know, it was a tiring couple of weeks for, for the club and everyone yeah. connected. Winning the title, Slavia Prague, old firm game, you know, people get knackered. They're only human. You know, it's yeah. difficult. Well, you know, and, and let's, before we move through all the important stuff, let, let's let thank civil rights hero Scott Brown, who I now put on a level <laughs> with, with Mandela walking out of prison. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. walking across the bridge because he walked across the pitch and shook Glenn Kamara's hand and then made yeah. sure he mentioned it in the interview. Like there wasn't a fucking camera <laughs> three feet away following you the whole time. Just yeah. fuck off, man. Yeah. But hey, man uh, of the match, right? Man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, t- I took a different view of it in the moment. For me, I thought, yeah, good, good. That's done now. Yeah. It's a powerful yeah. image, but. You know, every football team, every opponent has a player that you've come to loathe and despise as the pantomime villain. And he, for me personally, has been that figure. You know, he's lacked he's lacked humility. He's, you know, uh, lauded it in front of us at, at games at Ibrox. And for me, I thought, particularly in my sense of fatigue over the matter, I thought, OK, perhaps we needed that and you were big enough to do it, but it was right back to the normal broadcast at the end of the game yeah. with the way that he, you know, he reconnected well, the, the, with support. Well, yeah. And how he talked to, you know, the, the, what did he say about Morellas? He, he didn't say his name. It was the guy that got yeah. the end of the ball or whatever the hell it was, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and I mean, and, and that's part of the problem. I, I think us as a support, like we've seen this, you know, you brought Michael mm. Stewart, but, but let's run through the gamut of mm. names in the Scottish media who, who've, carried out this, I mean, openly xenophobic campaign against Morales for mm. years. And mm. then, you know, now we have a touchstone moment like this. 
and, and they want to all, you know, throw their hands up and say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm completely against this kind of stuff. No, you're fucking not. Be- because, like, mm-hmm. you excused the, the, the banner at the at Patadri about, you know, mm-hmm. Morels. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you let all this stuff go and you've treated him. You, you know, you, you see it. And that you specific, I mean, please stop the comment. But, like, yeah. the, the, what, the way they don't talk about Scott Brown the way they talk about Alfredo that's, Morales. That's the game, Shane. That, that is the game at the heart of the matter. At the heart of all of it, when it comes down to it, is the existential struggle, as they see it and interpret it, between Rangers and Celtic. And they orientate everything around that based on the desire for clicks, notoriety, followers, likes, shares. And the, like you said, we'll get into Michael Stewart, but <laughs> the, the reason that... Sorry, I, I, come I, out every time I hear his name, I fucking laugh. <laughs> Well, Kamara, Kamara's a problem because Kamara's wearing a Rangers jersey and Michael Stewart over the years has orientated himself from that perspective. And so when we get a human issue that's bigger than football, he has to, I think, explore <laughs> live on, on a mic what that actually <laughs> means and sounds like, which is a big risk. He took the risk and... <laughs> I'll say this in fairness. There were one or two things he did say that are valid. However, they weren't the time to talk about them. Definitely not. And I think that he stumbled on that because it was, once again, it was a Rangers player. Um, And and you pointed out the stuff around Morelos. I mean, the the time for that conversation was a long time ago. Um, But it wasn't seized upon. That's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, You know, I mean, the thing with Stewart in this, you know, I mean, let's touch on our profession. You know, I, I I spent nearly 15 years as a journalist. I don't do it anymore, but it, it never leaves you. Hmm. Um, typically, typically before you open your fucking mouth, you, you try to find out what the fuck it is you're talking about. And, hmm. and, and you know, as you said right there about Stewart, it's like we get to watch him live on mic try to work through these fucking problems. He hasn't hmm. bothered. It's like. I, it, it, there's only two. There's always only two outcomes. That one, it's deliberate, or two, it's ignorance. And mm. neither is excusable. As mm. someone playing the point of, you know, the educated footballer for the, the BBC mm. Scotland. Do you know part of, I mean, part he, of the problem? He's supposed to be the smart one. You know. Yeah. Part, part of the problem with racism, and this will go back to Cadella uh, and Slavia Prague and. It's a sense of self-delusion and dishonesty for me. Um, right. For me, Michael Stewart in that situation would have been far better off saying, look, I don't know enough about this subject to speak on it. I know you're asking me, but it's incendiary. And I think I need to maybe go and do some more reading or learn some more about it rather than bumble his way through it and come out the other side and try to double down on it. Like, the, the reference I made to Slavia Prague is if you look at the way that Slavia are dealing with it, they're essentially not being honest. I mean, let's face it, they're being dishonest. So if that's a club value or a business value of their corporate brand or their deep cultural roots to have this dishonesty and double down, then what sort of business are they when they're faced with a real business issue that has elements of values attached to it? 
do they look in the mirror and go, do you know, we might have screwed up in a business sense. We need to realign our strategy or reinvent strategy. They might not do that. They might just double down. And that's why they're only recently very right. successful. And I think when it comes to that value somewhere down the track, that will come back and get you. And again, to me, that's the insidious uh, nature of racism itself is that it, it causes us to be dishonest and self-delusional in a certain way. And and for me, yeah, like I'll, I'll be honest, and it's a, probably be an unpopular take, but there were things that um, Michael Stewart said that I, I thought, okay, that drives the conversation along, but perhaps you shouldn't have said it. Um, and it's for much later. It could, it could be for me that, yes, we have to wait for judicial process, whether it's going to be flawed or not, or as the manager says, as Stephen Jarrett said, you know, it won't look like what we want it to look like. It's still a truism. Right. We still have to wait for that. And then the second thing is that came up um, was around this idea of, well, we have to hear it from uh, Cadella's side. Well, <laughs> see, that's that for me, again, is yeah. also in, a, in, a, in the sense of legal reasoning is true, but it's also wrong. For me, it, it put Glenn Kamara in this position of um, not being heard at all, and and that was that was troubling for me. And I I just felt that Michael Stewart got tangled up, and it would have been far better to just step away from the mic and just go, do you know what? This is big, and I can't answer it at this particular moment, you know. Um, but he's doubled down on it. He's now in a in a very awkward position. I, I, you know, I mean to. to excuse me um to to what you're saying that i i think you see that often with people you, you know it, it it's positions i know that you know i've seen it over here in, in media and print tv radio whatever all the time you, you have all racists right you have guys like sean handy or tucker Carlson or rush limbaugh who think god he's dead over mm-hmm. here um that that are just overtly pushing that that mindset, but then, but then you have, like you said, the people like Stewart who take a fucking minute, right? Mm-hmm. Take a minute, talk to someone, further mm-hmm. understand the problem. Don't just come out and start just hashing this shit out live mm-hmm. on air in your own. Like, I mean, it's like an internal monologue in this fucking head about, well, did he do a racism? Maybe. <laughs> Is yeah. doing a racism bad? Probably. Should you know, like, no, that that's that's not the response to this. And and, I, and you know, one one thing I still don't understand, like, where the fuck is right? Where's the SPFL? Where's the SFA? Where's the players' union? Why have they not said a fucking word? Well, you and I, as journalists, and and you know, for me as a, a comms practitioner, um, the only reason I can see for a lengthy delay is that they're taking their good sweet time to make a considered response. I've been in that position myself, leading comms for football organisations. So I understand that side of it. However, when you look at what the English FA have done in terms of their quick response, you start to wonder whether or not it's a case of something being well prepared or there isn't a position yet because the subject again is too big. I mean, we've just criticised Michael Stewart for maybe not taking his time. Um, Rangers took their time over the recent SFA report, and it was a good move. It turned out to be in the end, I think. Um, but, I mean, 
the inner workings of the SPFL and the SFA seem to be deeply flawed um, from from what we can see on, on this matter. Yeah. You know, um, but our, our relationship with the SFA. Well, I mean, they're relatively deep, deeply flawed and deeply flawed in communications in general. So I, 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 I guess we, we can't be that, you know, amazed that, that maybe they're not on the ball here. I, mm. you know, but like uh, from my, me personally, right. I mean, I was like, uh, look, I'm a white guy in America. It's like the easiest gig in the fucking world. I'm not going to lie, mm. you know, but uh, I, I've always been cognizant this you know my mom raised me to fucking me right because her mm-hmm. folks are from mississippi i mean like jim crow fucking mississippi they were racist as hell and you you know you you do that thing because you're oh they're old they're old no well no I, I still i remember one time i was out visiting my my mom's parents and a, a new black family moved in across the street right and dad was a doctor and mom was a and my grandma wound away to tell me that they they weren't the uh, the uppity sort of uh, <laughs> you know yeah. and yeah. it's uh, no uh, like you can't say that like it's uh, like it's it's and and you know me and David maybe David not as much because he tends to hedge some somewhat hedge his opinions on this kind of stuff or, or maybe 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 do better at making a joke out of them than i do i, mm. I tend to just tell people to fuck off um <laughs> but last summer you know with everything that was going on here in america like a, a lot of the same people that i'm seeing that maybe had their eyes opened since thursday are, are the same fuckers that i was getting emails or dms or or Twitter messages from so stop talking stop talking about this why why are you talking about it? you know from the output of the the George Floyd murder uh, and, and what transpired over here in the summer it's like you're gonna sit here and preach to me about what's going on in my country mm-hmm. right? I mean like Rock, Rockford is a horribly racist town and I'm not I'm not even gonna try to fucking hide it like the school district here got sued by the Justice Department back in the early 90s for $280 million for segregating the, the, the school districts. I mean, it's, it's still a very real issue in this town. And I hated when I was trying to have these conversations on the pod that people, instead of listening, like, and like the, the way I know is because I go out in the community and I listen to them, and here's me trying to relay that to you. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I I have seen some of those people now in the fallout from the from the Kamara thing actually be like, shit, you know, that this is still a fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and no one should go, no one should go to work having to think about, hey, am I going to be fucking racially abused yeah. by a colleague? You know, not 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 a colleague in the sense that he works for me, but a colleague in a professional sense. Before I come home to my wife and kids, you know, like that—that's that's fucking crazy. Well, look, I, I mean, you're you're relating your experience with racism in, in in your town, your country, and you know, my experience of racism in football from an Australasian perspective. You know, I played to a good level, uh, semi-professional level in Australia, New Zealand, and England, and you know, I came across racism at grounds in Australia and New Zealand on a regular basis, and the way that I tended to deal with it 
as a teenager and then in my early 20s was to, you know, I would just close myself down to it, get on with playing and try my best. And then I'd go away from a game and if we'd lost, I'd feel flat for that. But if I'd experienced racism from the crowd, you know, it would make me feel despondent even more, you know, because I would have to try and find a way to build myself back up. But as I got older and I'd experienced it a lot more, my philosophy changed, you know, my my attitude to that became very, very different. And I would take the fights to the game itself the, the on the pitch I was you know playing on um and that could look a lot of different ways um <laughs> yeah well I mean I I played against a Japanese guy um for a local club against a local club here who um were giving me a lot of stick and I went right through this guy he was a good player a very good player on the ball technical quick and I went right through him right in front of the um, the main stand, <laughs> he, he rolled over a couple of times and then the, they got stuck into me and then I, I gave something back. I said something along the words, uh, along the lines of, um, you know, if you keep going the second time I get him, it's going to be your fault. And then I went through him again and he, he got taken off, you know, but I was, a bit, I was getting older and a bit more mature and I could handle it and I had a thicker skin for it. So I, I, I started to right. play play the game very differently um but i encountered it regularly even you know even in administration you know this is this is the first time i've said this out loud but a organization i worked for in football here in new zealand i laid two complaints for racism in the office and one for workplace bullying and only because um the workplace bullying aspect was a repositioning of the abuse whoever was perpetrating it and they used anonymity to achieve it which is quite shocking to right. say I, I left the organization by choice uh, March 2018 and I suppose what I'm saying through these experiences is that racism in New Zealand in particular is very quietly dispensed it's a culturally New Zealand is similar perhaps to certain parts of England that's kind of the culture you have and Australia has probably got more in common with America and maybe slices of white South Africa in the way that racism is meted out. It's very much in your face. You see it coming and it, it can be quite heated, open conflict. In New Zealand, people kind of hide it because it's just a little bit awkward. Um, so you walk into I, a shop. I mean, that, 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 that really is kind of, you know, like the, there's Southern races. I'm here in the U.S. and then yeah, I mean I'm separate. Midwest racism is a totally different thing Be, because mm. you know we were the Midwest wasn't part of the Confederacy, it wasn't part of Jim Crow, it wasn't. But there was still redlining, you know. Mm. There were still busing kids to schools to keep them out. Of so I mean, you didn't do it out in the open, but it was still there, you know. Mm. I mean, it's 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 still there. You you can call it whatever the fuck you want. It is what it is. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, it's it's quite strange because if I think of our national team qualifying for the World Cup in 1982 to play Scotland, Brazil and the USSR, the bulk of the team, 15 of the 22 players in that squad, I think, were born in the UK. And we had one Maori player, Polynesian player. Um, his father was 
Swiss, his mother's Māori. Winton Rufer, who went on to play in the Bundesliga for Werder Bremen, probably our greatest yeah. player of all time, scored the winning goal in the Cup Winners' Cup final. He was the only Māori player. Now we have, well, the last time the national team reconvened, or which is a couple of years ago now because of COVID and, and such, um, the vast majority of the team now are of Polynesian descent, or very similar to myself, a European parent um, and, and a locally born parent of either European or, or Polynesian ancestry. So the culture within the that national team environment has had to change because there was some assumed uh, mores and practices about operational matters, about cultural matters that were just simply assumed. And they've now had to adapt and change, but it's been, it can be problematic. It can be deeply problematic, yeah. um, you know, and a, it's, it's an ongoing issue that's currently on hold here. I think until we get back to playing matches, you know, we're Pacific Islands surrounded by 15 other Pacific Islands that we can't travel to, you know. Um, so we've got this wonderful paradise where we can't go anywhere. Um, I shouldn't complain given what people are going through in, in Scotland, but, um, um, yeah, it can, be, can be frustrating, at least you're playing a lot yeah, of no, I, I, I feel so bad, like, telling them I went to the pub. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I apologise for that too. We had a great time last night at the Paddington. Um, <laughs> in, in, in our droves, <laughs> no masks. It was just, you, know, you take it for granted. You honestly, you take it for granted. We've, we've had a couple of lockdowns no, in the last I, couple you, of weeks. You but, do. Hmm. Um, you, you know, see, there was something you said there too. In like, I think this kind of. It ties back to Stuart. I think this kind of ties back to people's reactions to, to this kind of stuff. I mean, it wasn't racial abuse, but I was at a club level, um, at least through like my, my mid to late 20s. Obviously not at a high level as you, because club level over here mm-hmm. doesn't mean the same fucking thing. But, you know, like we, we were in the USL. Um, you know, like we, we did, we played. And I still remember mm-hmm. one match in which, there was a guy with a openly gay, uh, our our number nine. You know, I mean, he was. You know, it's one like you. It's one of those ones that you just know. You know, in James, I mean, he was a doctor, like fucking nicest goddamn guy in the world. But he was openly gay and didn't fucking mind talking about it or anything else. And we were playing a match, and this motherfucker was going at him. I'm perfect. You know, coming in over the ball, coming in two-footed, coming in while the, like everything else. And I found like I pulled him aside. I was like, "You do it again, I'm gonna fucking roll." You know? And and that it, it happened, and I broke his ankle, and <laughs> I got you know, I, I got my card. I, I didn't mm-hmm. even get sent off. Like I mean, I went through and like you know did the where, where you're dragging the, the the hook on the tail leg and then just mm-hmm. kind of like rolled over to stand up mm-hmm. and i mean I, fucking snap but I, I didn't feel bad about it at all and i think you know to like what the players did thursday night allegedly <laughs> what the players did thursday night allegedly i i i don't feel one fucking bit bad for Kind of direct retribution. I'm glad again, allegedly, Glenn got his hands on that motherfucker. And mm. I, 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 because obviously, again, I mean, you you could see it on the park, you could see it when 
when Gerard and, and I'll tell you what, this is still a fucking master class in what he did. When he went out to talk to their first team staff, and at first they were kinda out near the, the center of the pitch, you know. Mm. And then he dragged them like slowly. You could see him that like got them back over right in front mm. right in front of the skybox. So that you could see yeah. like their body language versus his and what was going mm. on. And and again, you know, in the meantime, the, the the squad was back there down in the tunnel doing the hey, mm. fuck the, like, they're not coming. We know they can only come in that way, you know. You, you, Shane, you you used the word masterclass, and it was it was a complete masterclass. And it gets back to what I was talking about, you know, when it comes to values, like Slavia Slavia Prague's explicit and implied values contain a level of dishonesty and deception, which might be culturally acceptable to them. Steven Gerrard, final whistle, in the middle of the pitch, talked to their player, Kudel, um, one of Slavia's other players who was in close proximity to the event, a brief word to their coach, right bang in front of the pitch camera. And then, then, as you said, when it reconvened on on the sideline, Gerrard again engaged half a dozen of them all at once with some support from uh, our club. And what are the values there? Honesty, transparency, directness. You know, these are uh, these are the values that you know of light triumphing over evil, if you like. Um, and I think that's why it's resonated so deeply with 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 supporters, not just at at Rangers, but at, at a lot of other clubs. You know, we've we've come through the looking glass with what happened on Twitter, with you know other clubs in the SPFL getting in behind Glen Kamara. It's taken something as bizarre and <laughs> awful as that to find some sort of pattern of unity, even if it's only for a moment. Maybe we only need it for this, this moment for it to then grow in other areas. But for me, it's that value system and our manager, our chairman, um, you know, a, a director of football. Uh, no, I, 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 I mean, Dougie Park, Dougie Park being right down there, right behind Gerard on the pitch, you know. Mm. <laughs> like no, he, he. I mean, he represents everything. Whatever the fuck he's saying is what represents our football club right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you have the chairman standing right there behind you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. I, I was so proud. You know, I've shown like a lot of my mates here. They treat my love of Rangers with, you know, you know, that's a really quirky thing about Gordon. But you know, I boast <laughs> about the way that we've handled this because it's a. It's a blueprint. It's a blueprint for football organisations. And I'm not saying that our club's perfect. I'm not saying that, no. you know, we're the leading light, you know, or we haven't done things wrong in the past. That's not important. That's not the important part. The important part no. is that for this one moment in time, we got it right. And what do I appreciate? And and this is me speaking as a person, you know, from two, two uh, mixed-race um, parentage is that I appreciate how difficult it can be for um, and I don't even like using the word white people I, the, the European people whatever you have however one wants it's, to, to hey, recognize one it's all right I'll let you go no but I appreciate how difficult that can be to go out to go out on a limb and try and navigate it carefully you know, a friend of mine the other day made a remark about the subject and then apologized for having an opinion. 
And I laughed out loud and I put my hand on his shoulder and gave it a pat. And, and I said, you do know you are allowed an opinion. <laughs> you know, like you can't express it. You are allowed to do that. Um, and I, but I, I, I understood where he was coming from. <laughs> you know, like he was trying to be careful. But I appreciated that and I had empathy for that and I understood that and I wanted to nurture that and show him that he had my respect and, and that, you know, we're equals. We can talk about difficult things together. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that's maybe the next step in this process. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, we need to be really hard on it. Um, the, the, you know, racism is an is a, um, evil to be uh, fought. But at the same time, we also need an element of um, empathy and gentleness, you know, which don't necessarily belong in the football environment. You know, it's right. all about conflict and winning and achievement and aspiration. But at the same time, our values underpinning some of those things, you know, empathy and and uh, consideration and vulnerability can be quite powerful devices, you know, to help growth, which is why I think the future for Slavia is not necessarily that good um, because they seem to misuse those assets and, uh, you know, eventually somewhere down the track it, it um, comes back to bite you in the neck. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a thing too with Slavia, right? Like, I mean, this is a club that we should, you know, you're talking about empathy. I mean, this is a club that we should be able to empathize with, right? Um, because they were, I mean, they were us. You know, I mean, they, they they were the top fucking shot, and then they had a shoddy ass fucking ownership group, and and a, a shit ton of stuff happened, and then they finally got back together, and they're fine. But instead of that, you know, like I said, we 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 throw back to 2019, where it was um Lukaku and Sameda, you know, in that shitty group where where their fans were racially abusing these players. And then as they, and this is the thing, this is the thing. And we've seen it this week, right? I mean, the, the denial and deflection is mean you, the, the, the coordinated multifaceted disinformation campaign. In 2019, they demanded that Lukaku apologize for, for saying that he'd been racially abused by their fans in, in singing when it was, I mean, it was clear as day during the fuck. You know, I mean, everyone could hear it. But mm-hmm. but their their stance as a club was to, to you know close circle and batten down the hatches and fuck. They, we're not fucking racist. You guys are the fuck. You know, it's like <laughs> it's come up over and over again. But the, you know, like 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 the, the there's that Lemmy bit. There's you know double dune. Don't, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you weren't yeah. fucking yeah. there. You weren't yeah. fucking. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't I mean it, it's there and it's the same like this week you know Stewart doing his bullshit fine whatever the guy's a fucking idiot I mean we, we all mm-hmm. fucking know that but like no one walks over to a man in that kind of situation and puts their hand over their mouth to lean in and say something that hey you're a f- dude you're a fucking guy you know like mm-hmm. it's, it's not a scene out of fucking friends <laughs> The guy went in to say something that you're not supposed oh, to say. Shit. Shane, it, it takes <laughs> Shane. It takes it takes a hell of a lot. It takes a hell of a lot to unify Scottish people with, with one perspective. <laughs> and and I think 
<laughs> like there's a like and this is speaking as a foreign born Scott shall if I can can say it that way yeah. for now is when that happened and he covered his mouth and then he ran away <laughs> because he ran away right yeah and then later oh Jenna, later, you're gone. Reached for Glasgow cop yeah. right to help him out no, of no, he, 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 dude, he, he was like a clansman riding away on his fucking horse man like that yeah. motherfucker was out out <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it takes a lot to unify Scottish people. They disagree on just about anything, and sometimes just for the hell of it, right? So, I think for me, what probably got to most people in a general sense is the sheer cowardice adopted. Um, yeah. My father, my late father, used to say to me, you know, like he liked football, and he, you know, he loved football, and he liked and admired rugby league. And I used to say, well, why do you like rugby league but not rugby union? And he said, well, in rugby league, if someone's going to bash you, he said, you see it coming front on. He said, in football, you can see it generally coming in front on. He said, but in, in rugby union, you can be lying at the bottom of a scrum getting a kicking. And he said, I've got no time for that type of sneakiness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, when I saw him do that, I thought that's not going to go down well with anybody in scotland because most for the most part they'll look at it as the sneakiest most low approach and then you throw the you know the obviously the racism alleged racism in on top of it and then glenn kamara's response and then everything the way it unfolded yeah i think it was just like the cowardice of it i mean and the manager said in the post match um to emma dodd you know if you're gonna say something to me i'm not going to cover my mouth and he said if i say something to you i'm just going to say it i'm not going to cover my mouth and then we'll sort it out and that's how most people operate you know and in, in our culture and yep. their culture it's a different obviously it's different he, he might be getting a lot of pats on the back and they have to tell a whole load of lies around it to make it <laughs> seem seem awesomely brave um and yeah i know the national team's fallen out of vogue um, with a range of support, and I totally understand why. Yeah. Um, I'm of the old school variety where it was still safe to, you know, be a Rangers and a Scotland fan. Um, that's become less of a thing for me. Um, but I sense that when Scotland play the Czech Republic, there may be a 24-hour period where, <laughs> 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 where there will be some 1978-style um, expectations applied. Oh, so I, I, I think all of us sat there like, all right, the Champions League group, like, yeah. <laughs> or, or the qualifiers, yeah. whatever the fuck it is, uh, like, just yeah, yeah. I, I, I did love, you know, the, the the toward the end of last Thursday, because I mean the the match the match was on like a decent time for me, which was nice. I think it kicked off at three. The result mm. was shit, and then everything that happened afterwards was shit. But it put me like in a in a good time frame, you know. And as a journalist, we do our best work probably between like six p.m. and eleven, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was sitting here doing the shit, and I found <laughs> I, I could not fucking believe it because I was going back through trying to find all this shit. There, there's a research paper about Slavia Prague fans from 2017. In which now now the the way again this is how you take stuff race quote right racism was regarded by more than half of fans fifty eight point eight seven percent who found expressions against dark skinned players a very serious problem 
So you could go, all right, 59% of their supporters thought that that's a bad thing. I go, well, 41% don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 and that's that's the story with this club over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I, the saddest part for me is going back you know, to Michael Stewart or, or, or whoever, any of these fuckers who haven't said anything remotely out of balance. I think Stuart Weir, it might be the only one. Well, Stephen McGowan, who who I thought wrote a pretty good column with, with this closing paragraph, basically. I'm glad Connor Golson kicked the shit out of some people in the hallway. <laughs> um, uh, but all these guys who haven't fucking said shit, like, you're that 41%, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're not there and you're not holding the line against this, you're part of it. And I think, I I hope that that's the lesson a lot of people are are taking out of what's going on in the past, you know, four or five days now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I think one of the other elements here that we we probably haven't touched on and disentangled yet. Um, attached to what you're saying is that, you know, the, the difference between East and West, um, you know, when, when we were growing up through the Cold War, um, communist arguments were always of this idea that uh, there was no racism in the Soviet Union and that, in fact, reaching out yeah. to Africa and, um, you know, parts of Asia were evidence of this sort of um, utopian version of race relations yeah yeah and, uh, we, we we want their oil therefore we can't be racist yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so <laughs> um i i think uh, like i first went to russia to work in uh, the confederations cup in 2017 as a press officer and um the first night i arrived in st petersburg um, I was slightly late getting to the hotel and I was t- it was a long, long, long way to go. And there was a dinner with my colleagues and I thought, well, I'll, I'll throw the, the bags on the bed and then I'll, I'll just shoot off and stay for an hour. I walked to the restaurant to find a beautiful city. Had dinner, thought, well, I'll go home. I'm really jet lagged. Walking home, Russian guy walked past me, spat, not at me, but by me, very yeah. deliberately. Yeah. Um, displeased with my appearance on the street and yeah he looked pretty handy too um and i just ignored it and kept walking you know like to me um it was a disappointing moment but the experience that i then went on to have um at the tournament itself working with russians was so good and i found i think david touched on this when he talked in one of um I don't know if it was a History Boys podcast with Martin, but um, I found that working with Russian people, that you could split them between those who grew up in communism, just around middle age, and then those underneath who hadn't. And it was the young people underneath who I found to be so inspiring. Um, multi, a lot of them multilingual, a lot of them really well-traveled, really well-spoken on popular culture in the West, um, politically aware of shortcomings in their country, things of the West that they like and don't like, and I was blown away by it. Um, equally, I was blown away by how staunch the um, most, mostly men of uh, middle age who had experienced the Soviet Union, how 
how staunch they were and you know you use lemmy you know don't back down double down well yeah right. i mean a lot of them do but the, but there was a lot of respect as well and I, I could see that emerging through the the world cup in russia i was in st petersburg i ran media operations at um the zenith stadium from the opening game to the third place match and i left russia with a very different view of um how how that what what their their mentality was i don't think i would ever truly get to know it unless i spoke russian and um went deeper into to their their history which of course is you know pretty grim but um <laughs> I, you know like i had some i, I must say that I, I felt a lot of hope for them because of their young people um i tell you i must say uh, while i remember and we're on racism that during the confederations cup in 2017 there was a game i think it was in sochi um, Cameroon played, I can't remember who it was, showing signs of not having much sleep. <laughs> um, but, but Cameroon played, and they played in Sochi, and a fan was removed from a uh, stadium because he had blacked up. And, well, fuck. Right, he had blacked up. Now, the condemnation around this person was pretty intense because Russia was trying to get itself ready for the World Cup, and it was really concerned about you know racist uh, now uh, image yeah 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 it's, it's a terrible image but the, the when the guy was yeah but meanwhile down the street they're kettling and beating the shit out of 400 gay men so yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. well look i mean that, that's the paradox <laughs> of, of of russia and it, that, that was the thing whenever you go into those tournaments if you're working in multi-sports events or single sports events for a organizing body um it is very much a western bubble that is put into right. place in those countries and so they do seek russians who are able to navigate through those um environments to ensure that the the project is delivered but it's um i'll tell you another strange thing it's probably more along gender lines um we were in we always do operational meetings every day at world cups and i remember i think it was maybe a couple of weeks in and I noticed that all the Russian women came in and shook everybody's hand and, and our team's, you know, multinational. And then the Russian men would come in and they would shake everybody's hand, male, female, black, white, you know, blah, 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 no issue. But the Russian men didn't shake the hands of the Russian women. And my two I see was a, a Russian woman. And we came out of this meeting and I, I I'd observed it but hadn't articulated it. I felt felt it. And then I, I got the impression she was really shitty. And... I said to her, I said, look, is everything all right? And she goes, no, I'm really angry. She said, that guy, Anatoly, has said this thing about me not being good enough to do it, and I'm more than good enough. And I said to her, I clicked my fingers, and I said, they don't shake your hands. And she said to me, well, no, why would they? And I said, well, they shake everybody else's hands, including women of color from different countries, different languages. And she goes, yeah, but they have to. She said, they don't have to shake our hands. I said, you know, when the circus tent leaves and it gets pulled down, you know, we go back to being how we are. And, uh, you know, I was, I was like, well, I knew that already, but I've been in this bubble where we're trying to deliver a really complicated project together and we have to cooperate. So for that for that moment, you know, you forget. But again, that's that's Eastern Europe, I guess. And what we're seeing of the Slavia Prague example is this horrible, ugly, ugly, ugly yeah. side to it. You know, the doubling down, the lying, the deceit, the, the cultural veneration of of it. Um, 
Yeah. And and look, uh, we, you mentioned it before, sorry to keep going on, but no, we no, haven't no. seen the last of Slavia Prague, I don't think. I think they're, they're in the mix somewhere down the track. Yeah. Um, in our yeah, it was, yeah, well, I mean, the, the, that's the way that goes. You know, we haven't seen him since 1904, and now we're going to see him like four times in the next six yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I I remember um so I, I I did you know box work with a MLS you know go go in you do your fucking match reports you, you get the little lunch you do fucking whatever um <laughs> I, I so the Chicago Fire um went through the souls you know this kind of crosses a bunch of lines um they had their like chief media officer guy you know the guy the guy that meets you in the press box you know the motherfucker shakes your hand tells you what to said hey you know we, we changed the coffee this week fucking with all here's your team sheets blah blah blah, blah. by the <laughs> way if you actually need something don't ask me ask someone else you know <laughs> um so he he <laughs> famously <laughs> you, you guys can go look this fucking letter up like signed off and published. I think I think it was on a Sunday night. I mean, it, it was every part of veiled, racist, sexist, fucking horrible bullshit that you would expect coming out of MLS that somebody in the ownership group had written. But he ultimately was the one who decided to put it on the fucking website. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know. I'm not going to ram him too hard. I'm not even going to give his name because he's left the industry. Um, mm. I think he's working on video games now or something because he felt really <laughs> fucking shitty about how it worked. Yeah. They replaced him with a, uh, it was, it was a young, uh, woman. I think she was from South Korea or her family was from South Korea. And the shift in the box you know, uh, up in the fucking press box from the 20 of us up there, like the, the, the way that they thought they could fucking talk to her, mm-hmm. that they would never say to fucking Tony, you know, mm-hmm. like th- there's no way fuck this shit with lie. I mean, you know, like you're saying with the rush, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they shook her hand. But then uh, I, I just I, I never understood the way some of these guys would fucking treat her because I mean she's in the same fucking job and and would mm. you let someone talk to your sister like that you mm. know I I I, 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 and I don't know I, I well I do because I I talk to a couple of them out in the parking lot after games sometimes that was exacerbated because she was Asian and not mm. you know, mm. white but it was like what in the fuck is your problem? Like yeah. she's, a, she's a professional. She's here doing her fucking job to make your job mm. easier. Right. Mm. She's here specifically to make sure that our rice pilaf and chicken is done at halftime so that we can have fucking lunch. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, God damn it. Show her some fucking respect. Yeah. As a press officer myself, um, I enjoy those confrontations with ignorant people who oh, uh, uh, you know yeah <laughs> you know it's just uh, at the last world cup i removed five journalists from the tournament including one who arrived who got booted out of the tournament the day he arrived <laughs> so i was doing it i was doing a press conference i can't remember which team it might have been morocco 
play with kind of yeah, it was definitely Morocco I was with. And this the the, the press conference room is packed. Um, I'm with the coach and the player and their press officer. And at the back of the room where all the, the TV cameras are, I noticed this guy come in the in the back entrance late. He's he's twenty minutes late. We're twenty minutes in and it's it's ten minutes away from breaking to go to training. And at the back of the room, my uh, Russian two I see, who I mentioned before, she's trying to seat the guy and he pushed her. I saw him do it. And I thought, right, when we go into the stadium bowl and he goes to the media tribune, I'm going to peel him out. <laughs> and and yeah. we go in there and then he comes in, you know, the team's out there for the for the one hour and 30 minutes and the press have got their, their 15 minutes. And I... I walked up to him and I said, um, you know, who are you? What's your organization? And he, he identified himself, but in French. And I said, OK, um, I said, I saw you lay hands on that media volunteer during the press conference. I saw you push her. And I said, you're not allowed to do that here. I said, number one, it's it's, it's a it's actually a Russian local matter. I said, number two, that's a breach of your accreditation. And he kept speaking in French. And I said, oh, that's okay. I can speak a little French. And then uh, he started yelling. And all the television cameras (laughs) that pointed at the pitch suddenly got turned around to where we were standing. And I became very conscious of that. So I asked security to take him out. We took him to the media center and basically removed the accreditation. And he suddenly could speak English. Um, <laughs> but you get that that toxic masculinity, you know, like it comes from because uh, oh no these, no it's it's every it's, it's everywhere in every press box it it doesn't fucking matter doesn't matter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um oh. that, that's the struggle we're up against and you know to, be, to get back to Glenn Kamara yeah you know like I, I've yeah. been I've been uh, really really encouraged deeply encouraged by the way that the Rangers support and, you know, Scotland generally has responded to it. I think um, it's been Uh, really, really good. All right. Let's, uh, all right, Gordon, you you get the questions. You get the crow pod questions for the first time in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Let's have it. All right. we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll start, we'll start with the big one here. Gareth wants to know, do you consider your season at Bradford your finest in England? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's, um, thank you for the question. <laughs> it's not, I think it's the first time we've ever had it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, he's, he, he's a good guy. Um, he actually says, uh, uh, Bradford question says, I wish him very this weekend, or which embarrass you more from Sturis Media but the uh, before COVID news statement or the rolling back after you know his full full on I'm the victim now kind of a thing. Well, I think I think the I'm the victim thing tells you and informs you more about the sincerity of the first thing he said, and and you might recall yeah. at the beginning of our chat. I you know I I felt that you know he was processing through it in the first instance and gave the benefit of the doubt because you're trying to search for you know, a bit of truth. But the second part was doubling down. And we just sort of spent a good bulk of this podcast talking about doubling down on hardcore positions. Um, <laughs> I think he's chosen a Slavia tactic to deal with it. So I, I, don't, I don't approve. <laughs> Double 
fucking Dune. Sick. Sick, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely a Lemmy fan. Ross, and, and Ross I'm Bears definitely West. Berniston as well, by the way. I think they're fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I, I, I might play that as the uh, the outro to, to this episode because I think people need to hear. It. <laughs> I think I need to hear it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Ross Benz wants to know, assuming as I do that UEFA will gloss over all this, I, I still expect we're going to get like a twenty thousand pound fine, and they're going to get about five grand, <laughs> and uh, you know nothing else will happen. But. Uh, he he wants a what's the worst example of ignored racism you've witnessed in your journal uh, journalism? Ooh. Well, I think I covered a couple in this this podcast. You know, I yeah. think um, if I think of another incident that that occurred about eleven years. Well, it was I, on, I, uh, I, I, like I've, I've I've covered my. My fair share of black men being shot in the back by police who hadn't actually fucking done anything. So, yeah. And, you know, just to, just to clarify, like, I don't think I've talked about this in any profiles. The reason I don't do it anymore mm. is because, because I kind of lost track of the dead bodies I've seen. And that's not something that you really ever get trained for. Um, mm. You know, we're, we're not fucking... EMTs or you know like first responders, no, whatever the no, hell you guys want no. to call them. And I've seen I've seen enough. And I will say this: usually the the handgun victims are the clean ones. It's the guys who get lit up by like somebody with a two twenty three, like like a what are they calling like the AR fifteen, the those those rifles that Americans love to carry and then yeah you know shoot school children in the face mm. with. Can um, I give you some advice, those, Shane? Just sorry yeah, to interrupt. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't go back. <laughs> Gun laws, like, <laughs> like, uh, like yeah, New Zealand. Uh, look, I, actually, I, I you know, we're, in a, we're in a troubled position as well, having you know, obviously Christchurch, and and I knew somebody who who, who passed away in in, um, in in that that slaughter, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, the things that you see from externally, you know, to, to the United States is a different level altogether. We're, we're sort of like the UK in that that regard. We don't have, everybody doesn't have a gun. We don't open carry, neither do the cops. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I live in the west side of town, which is, you know, the more violent side of town. If you ask the east side of town, it's, it's the black side of town. It's like, like, no, it's not the black side of town. It's the poorer side of town because you got, you know, again, segregated the schools, cut off public transport. (laughs) There's literally this whole side of town, 65,000 people live out here. There's two grocery stores, right? There's 65 fucking thousand people on this side of town. So, no, it's it's not. I. It's hard. It's hard seeing it in um, every day. The way I do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm, a, I'm a white male in America. It's the easiest shift that you could ever get in the fucking universe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there is so little that you can do to actually fuck up your life. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm 
here and and side by side like and it's fucking crazy the shit you know the, it, it, Ross here asking us about ignored racism like I can't count the number of community groups or or engagement groups or fucking I mean you know all the PR bullshit that cities or towns try to do like mm. we're, we're 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 gonna be top twenty by fucking twenty. No, you're no, you're not because you're not. You, you're spending money on this shit, right? Like, uh, I I went through the budget, like a line item budget on a group here in town. It was called Transform Rockford. They spent in, in one year four point two million dollars on this kind mm-hmm. of you know research studies and the, it was like you could have added. 14 bus lines and ran them 24 hours a day. That that would improve people's lives. What mm. you did was, was publish reports saying how we should improve their lives. No, our goddamn <laughs> fucking like action. Don't don't mm. sit there and tell yourselves what you should do. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, man, like I, I was going to say, you know, like that, what you've just said is is just something I can't relate to, you know, having to cover murders in the, in the, with yeah. the you know, like you joke to get your way through those things as a journalist. Like in my early years in print as a junior, I would often get car accidents and um, coroner's courts oh. and fucking hell, man. Like I, I didn't say nah, that, that long car, car accidents are fucked. God. Yeah. I'll tell you, for, for it was like like blunt force again. The the people who die from handgun wounds, like those are usually clean. The rifles bad. Car car crash victims, or in my case, yeah. tornado victims, are fucking awful. Like yeah. just imagine every color of blue and purple and black that you've ever seen in your life, <laughs> and then yeah. and then like puddles of blood trickling out of that. Because that that's what those scenes are. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, that that was that was a fun question. Thanks, Ross Bentz. That that, <laughs> that, that really that really lightened the mood. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you wants want to know? I I think this is this is one of the important questions here. What could force you Wafa to actually stamp the? I, you know, I, I, I think if Glenn walked off, I think it would have really raised. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much higher you can raise a red flag than, than mm. what the fuck actually happened and what has transpired since. If I will only ever give a fuck when their wallet is under question. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's a good starting point because. Well, to take the first part, um, should Glenn Kamara and team walked off the pitch? I th- I don't necessarily think so. I, I, I have to answer that from my own personal view. If I was good enough to yeah. be playing in that game in the first place, would I walk off? My instinct is no, carry the fight to everyone, but that's just how I'm built. I didn't play in front of crowds of, you know, 10, 50,000, and Lukaku has. Um, you know, other players have walked off, but what's changed? Nothing. And, and I think that's why when you hit people in the wallet and you change who you shop with, who you consume from, then it captures the attention of people in the confederations to, to maybe make those changes. But how do you do that? 
you know, like this is the thing. Um, it's a big question. And and who does it? Is it the clubs? Yeah. Well, well, part of the governance issue there, and we've seen it in the SPFL in the last couple of years, is it's a members organisation and everything runs to the pace of what makes the most money. Um, Connor Goldson said it really well and really clearly. Um, you know, we can't uh, wear certain branded gear um, and that's a big deal and you get fined for it. But racism, well, it doesn't matter. Well, until you do make it matter, um, and this is maybe why PFAs and, and and such are really important in this debate, until they get around the table with the players and there's some sort of unified approach, then I fear you're right, Shane. Like, someone's going to cop a fine. It could be us. Um, Cadella and Kamara will get an equal punishment, so to speak, and then the circus rolls on. Um, and I think that's yeah. what it, it will require. Yeah, the, 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 whatever that offsetting, offsetting penalties, I think is uh, to, to borrow a term from the, uh, the the National Football League. There, hmm. yeah, I I I don't, um, you know, I think some of it has worked over here because obviously again going back to last and when the when the sports leagues finally came back to what you know nfl players did and nba players did and jesus christ like when you have fucking lebron james doing this kind of shit like that that's when it fucking matters You, you know when you have those kind of people saying hey i'll i'll take my brand and fuck off you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you're dealing with you're dealing with one of the five biggest athletes in the fucking world. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's always what it is. None of this shit ever changes until until somebody's got to pay for it. You know, I mean, like as a country over here, I mean, that's entirely what it's been steeped in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, well, hell, oh shit, what? All of a sudden, why do these guys pay the bills? Oh fuck! Like mm-hmm. we. We've already changed the laws. I mean, that's that's all it ever has been. Um. So yeah, and and I don't know how to do that. I don't. You know, like you no. said, we're, we're talking about clothing. Like N- Nicholas Bentner got fined a hundred thousand euros for wearing the wrong fucking underwear. Slavia Prague got fined twenty thousand euros for their fans racially abusing a player at the San Siro. So mm. there you go. I mean, yeah. that's that's how it works. The yeah. the uh. The important question here, all right, the the very important question comes from our man Fraser. If you could have a fight with any TV celebrity chef, who would it be and why? I thought about this because I caught a glimpse of it on Twitter. So I came up with two options. I, I, I don't watch much See, reality. You, you, you like every other crow powder ever. You're like, <laughs> hold on, all the good questions I'm going to skip. This fucking thing right here. This thing is the thing uh, I thought about. <laughs> I'm still a man-child. I'm still a man-child at heart. So uh, I saw this and I thought, well, the first name that came into my head was Julia Childs. <laughs> and I thought, well, I can well, she, say that for the last. She's dead. <laughs> but she's dead is, is one problem. And secondly, was she alive and I had chosen Julia Childs for a fight? Um, well, that's just not a fair fight unless it turned into a bake-off. In which case, Julia Childs would kick my ass. 
Uh, I haven't baked anything in at least two decades. Oh, uh, mate. No, like, I, I, I try, like, you know, anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm good <laughs> like cooking meat. I'm good on the grill. I tried to bake a cake the other day. The, the, the results were poor. Very, very poor. <laughs> so you would you would take the fight to Julia on the grill? Uh, uh, no, no. I, hey, outside of my back porch on my kettle, I got that French bitch. Fuck her. <laughs> well, I thought Gordon Ramsay might be fun for, for the simple fact that he's one of us. Yeah, you, you, you could throw hands and you have a little Ramy and then go get a drink. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, right. we could swear on equal terms. You know, the patter would yeah. be, you know, electric. Um, and we could probably sit down and talk about Rangers at the end of it. Um, who's that one? God, see, now I'm showing my age and fatigue here, but the, the Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Did, I oh, think people are fishing for that one. Yeah, the, the school, school lunch guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you would want me to fight Jamie Oliver, I'd be happy to oblige. <laughs> See, I, I, I think I would take, um, I forget her name, like Giada De Laurentiis, I, I think it's, that sounds right. G, I don't know, my French is gone now. G-I-A-D-A-D Laurentiis. I, that sounds right. Giada? Giada? That sounds right. Fuck it. Go look yeah. her up. I, I, I wouldn't mind rolling with her for like <laughs> six to 12 rounds. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was never like I'd never want to fucking punch any of these guys in the face, except for maybe like Wolfgang Puck. Well, well, actually, <laughs> you know what? Hey, uh, on the topic of the show, Paula Dean is a racist fucking cunt. So right, fuck that fat ass bitch. And also, <laughs> her her biscuits and gravy is some of the worst shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. Uh. So. Doesn't there sound we very go. appetizing. No, no, <laughs> oh, not. hey, hold on, Gordon. Right. Make you mine. It's good. That <laughs> bitch can't fuck. Uh, like, if you want to pretend to be Southern, you go right on. But don't fucking get on my television and tell me how to cook fucking fried chicken. <laughs> it just <laughs> ain't gonna happen. Oh, dear. Oh, man. All right, the, the last big question here, and I, I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, our man, he's going by a simple bear, and a good man with a Glenn Kamara avatar mm-hmm. right now, like everybody else on my timeline, so I have no idea who the fuck's who anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how do you both think things uh, in regards to racial prejudice have changed in your respective countries over the last couple decades, if at all? Well, you go first. <laughs> I, I I mean, honestly, it's gotten worse. I, I'm not even going to – again, I mean, I, anybody who's listened to these shows over the years, go, going all the way back to 2012 and all the way up through, you know, this reincarnation now with David, it, it's gotten worse. It has. Um, and, and a big part of it, it you know – I know our friends over there in the UK, like Brexit. Look, if you want to talk about Brexit, you want to talk about Scottish independence, you want to talk about whatever. It's still nationalist, idealist politics, right? It's it's identity politics, which never work out well for fucking anyone. Um, and and obviously that that infiltrated, you know, our system. I mean, the 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 the, the Republican Party here, <laughs> go go back to the mid '60s, after after the passing of the, of the Civil Rights Act that just said, hey hey, 
remember all those laws we've made in the 1860s to say like like black people should be treated as people now we actually mean it you know um so it, it took another hundred years for for those kind of laws to be enacted and and the republican party's reaction was to um completely rebrand and isolate themselves from any kind of, of um, well, I, I mean, and anything that isn't, you know, as we call them over here, wasps, you know, it's white Anglo-Saxon Protestant or, you know, our entire Supreme Court's filled with Catholics, which is a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, this, it was a, this is a country built on slavery. Uh, it, it just it is and you can't you can't deny that you can't walk around it you can't do the thing well slavery ended 160 years ago well no it fucking didn't right i mean indentured servitude as a matter of practice lasted in this country all the way up to the beginning of the second world war you know like black men were held in chains in barns in the southern united states to work on plantations all the way up until the beginning of the second world war um, so it's never been that long. And the fact that, uh, blatantly open, virulent racists like Donald Trump can be elected as president should tell you that, no, I mean, things have not gotten better. Um, I mean, fucking look, Ronald Reagan was a fucking racist. I, I hate to break it to all you guys who think he tore down the fucking Berlin wall, but he did that on the backs mm-hmm. of campaigning his way to the White House, uh, just denigrating black people. And, and, like, Ronald Reagan was the kind of guy that used a hard R, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was hard R, N-word kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, 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 it is kind of scary for me, you know, as, a, as our guy asked here. I mean, the past 10, 20 years, we're talking about my adult life. It, it's gone backwards, at a very rapid pace because the people who are still still in power, right, and I think this is the key thing, they are still in power, are reacting to the fact that they won't be or their kids won't be or their grandkids won't be. Mm-hmm. And so the, this reactionary style politic has, has really driven um, what's going on here. Um, and, and that's why seeing something like this you know, with Kamara this week, it's like, fuck me. I, uh, uh, every day, I see this every fucking day in my community. Every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From a New Zealand perspective, um, I have to give you the background of the country as well, but similar to the way you have. Um, New Zealand was, you know, became a country in 1840, and a treaty was signed between Maori people and, and and the British. And from that point going forward, there was a slow disenfranchisement of, um, you know, ownership of land and, and so forth that took place. And I think up until the 1970s, um, notions of racism and, and, and such were pervasive. But because of the nature of the country, the size of the country, the country's obsession with rugby union, where people could, you know, pioneer, uh, pioneering Europeans could meet, you know, the 
warrior nature of, of, of Māori people as equals and they could play the sport together as equals and be successful together as equals. It helped certainly from the early part of the century, then especially through the 70s and, and to the yeah. present day, it's been a, a very useful tool for smoothing race relations, but race relations are still to a certain extent tense. And I think in our country, it, it's got more in common with Scotland in its scale, 5 million people, um, we've got a quote unquote rock star prime minister who's handled four major crises exceptionally well. Um, but I think underneath that, if you scratch the surface like anywhere, that appears to be, you know, she's the utopian centre left sort of image of what a good leader should be. But she's really a centre right politician. Yeah. Um, underneath it. Uh, well, got... I mean, I, I, I think that is like the blanket, you know, mm. that, that that's that every find me a western country like people talk about like kevin trudeau like he's a, this great leftist up there in Canada. no he's fucking not he's just like his dad yeah. i mean the the left the, the idea of what left is has moved you know mm. so mm. they're all i mean they're all center right mm. all of them. Mm. well this is it's funny you say that because when i listen to david and martin talking in, in, in the history boys a lot and david says you know you know feels more centrist and I feel more centrist and I think shit, it must be my age. But if you look at, you know, myself as a demographic, um, I used to be left, you know, quite yeah. left wing I mean, liberal. But, but no, I mean, I'm, I yeah, I'm, I'm very left as people tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of race relations, I think we got the we, we have the same problems. We have issues of uh, polarization. I think technology is playing a major role in yeah. the way that people are making decisions or processing their political thoughts. Um, that has to be brought in line. And I think that, you know, what James Tavernier said about social media companies, they've got a lot to answer for. Um, but like the situation with race in UEFA, is it going to happen? Well, only until someone puts pressure on their wallets. Um, yeah. So, yeah, New Zealand's not a, a, a race relations utopia. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, um, <laughs> but racism is very underground. You know, like it's the experience of walking into a shop. For well, me, I mean, it, it, and, it, and I actually mean, finding that I walk out and I think, well, oh, I don't feel very good. Something, well, I don't feel good. Was it a look yeah. I got? Was it a, you know, something I said? I, um, I, I mean, you know, the, the, there's a reason that even if they're most overt, right? Again, like going back to the clan here. There's a reason that they do their business in the cover of dark, you know, they, they don't, they don't do the hard graft out in the open in the middle of the fucking day. They, they do it at one o'clock in the fucking morning, you know, um, like it's not racists aren't comfortable with being racist outside of being around other races, you know? You, you, you don't you don't see these people at work or they you know and that was the thing you know Slavia fans quote fans started putting that video around of Cadella going around like hugging his his black teammates in the locker room but that that was their idea of positive messaging toward this was to get all these accounts that they created you know on on the drop on Thursday and Friday in the fallout of this and tweet around this video of him walking into the locker room 
and giving his black teammate a hug. Like mm-hmm. that absolves him of being racist. No, that that's mm-hmm. not how this shit works. Racism doesn't exist out in the open. It, it manifests itself out in the open, but it doesn't exist out in the open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, it's um, it's insipid and just pure pure evil, you know. And yeah. you know, and look at the energy that's required to to cover it up. Like the sheer energy that's required to come up with the communications plan, the social media accounts, the bot swarm, um, you know, the optics, the video. It's just own it. You know, just you did it. uh, The guy did it. Everybody saw it. The guy did it. We sacked him. We just saved like whatever, 35 grand on our books. You know, like whatever. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. No. It's, uh, it's tough. Well, I mean, obviously we haven't answered the racism question in these past 80 minutes, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we've given everybody something to think about. So, uh, Gordon, man, it, it's, it's a pleasure to finally actually get on the fucking horn and have a dialogue and actually have it about something that means fucking something in this world. <laughs> Instead yeah. of just the usual like dick jokes that we do on the crow. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's been good, man. I've um I've looked forward to. I've enjoyed uh, the banter, you know, on um on Twitter with uh, the number Wayne thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know why that. Again, so, you, you got uh, the second so reference. I, I I still don't have a number Wayne reference. <laughs> we do like four, forty-four, four point forty-four. That's number one. Four, 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 four. <laughs> um, like I said, Gordon, of course, you can find him on Twitter. It's at uh, Gordon underscore Watson. Or if you live down in that part of the fucking world, which is, I mean, like you're literally, if we see, this is always the thing. People are like, oh, I'm going to drill a hole and come out in China. I think if I drill a <laughs> hole from here, I'd be like, well, I wouldn't be in New Zealand. I'd be somewhere in like northern Australia or close to uh, Papua New Guinea. I, th- mm. I think is how that one works out. So, mm. but he's down there. He's fucking down there. So, yeah. Uh, no, Gordon, thank you, man. No, it's been a pleasure, and I uh, hope hope we can do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I will be back with Todd and David on Tuesday for the regular Crow Pod. And I'm still I'm still trying to edit <laughs> my and Todd's conversations about Western films because we recorded that uh, two days after we won the league, and I was still uh, like not even recovering from the bender. I was still fucking on the bender, <laughs> so I'm trying to make it make sense. But uh, yeah. no, but they'll do. It. All right, Gordon, thank you, man. Love you, brother. Pleasure. Take care. And we'll talk to you Tuesday. See ya. Don't back down. Double down. If you show any weakness, if you apologise or try to explain yourself, they'll see it as weakness, they'll smell blood and down you fucking go. Just go like that. Did a fuck. Start pointing and going like that. You were not fucking there. You were not there. You were not fucking there. This is fucking sick, by the way. Sack. Some people call me the space cowboy.